Welcome back to the Schaefer's Market Mashup. This is your host, Patrick Martin. Thank you for tuning in to last week's episode with Adam Warner. Even though he's a Knicks fan, he had some great insight into the VIX. Uh, But today, I'm very much looking forward to diving into the Russell 2000 Index in the world of small caps. I've got two guests with me. The first is Aaron Risk Advisors investment strategist, Joe DiCipio. Joe, say hello to the crowd. Hello, everyone, and thank you for having me, Patrick. And then we have SIBO Global Markets Derivative Sales, Rick Rosenthal. Rick, what is happening? Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. What Wonderful, wonderful. Hope everybody's doing well. Well, let's jump right in. It's, it's, it's a small cap world right now uh, for U.S. market participants as the rut continues to just to leave large cap benchmarks in the dust. You know, even with, I think, today's pullback, the rut is around 10% higher year-to-date uh, and has doubled off its March 2020 lows. So I guess the first question, and I'll toss this one to Joe, is will this breakout stick? Uh, it sounds like small ball, which as a basketball fan I'm going to coin because I've never heard anywhere else, uh, small ball is going to be around for the time being, right? Well, I don't know about right, but it certainly appears that way. Because if you take a look at some of the attributes that small cap stocks offer in comparison to, say, large cap stocks, the valuations that we see in small cap stocks are still a bit inexpensive relative to large cap stocks. And as people have this ongoing need to find value for their clients, even though people say value may be dead as an investment strategy and growth is where it's at, there's still a large number of investors out there who still want to invest for you know, the long term and make sure they're paying decent prices for it. And the place where you can do that right now is in the small cap world, just because I don't think everyone's found small cap as readily as they found large cap, especially the fang names over the last few years. Mm-hmm. And especially since the rebound uh, recently, everyone's kind of flocked into the small cap space, which is really, as you mentioned, uh, boosted their performance relative to the large cap names. So I'm looking at a chart here, year over year of the rut, and you can trace some of this small cap rally really starting to pick up steam in November of 2020 when you had the COVID-19 vaccine rollout announcements. Does that mean that market participants are more optimistic about 2021 as a whole? Uh, Joe, you can take that, and then Rick, you can follow up. Sure. I I always view investing or investing as a mosaic, and one of the tile pieces would certainly be investor expectations based upon an economic rebound. So in that regard, I think that's a net positive for small cap names. But as you pointed out, since the vaccine news and the stimulus news have become a lot more clearer to folks, I think people have been a lot more willing to invest. And again, getting back to my previous point, They've been trying to find positions where they can invest that offer them, you know, good bang for the buck. And that has been in the area of small caps. Okay. I'm going to echo some of Joe's comments. But um, there's always uncertainty in the market. And it's hard to predict by even some of the best experts in the industry. Um, but I'm a, I'm a half 
a glass half full kind of guy, and I am optimistic. And I believe that um, market participants have reason to be more optimistic about the U.S. economic recovery with the vaccine rollout. And we've got, let's keep in mind, uh, the Fed keeping rates low and a potential huge uh, stimulus coming from the U.S. government. What's interesting, uh, you know, something you pointed out, Patrick, is that the uh, Russell 2000 has been uh, affected by the rollout of, of the uh the vaccine. And I, I, I agree that the small caps could be the story here. Um, they've led the rally. And, and what they do is they measure the performance of small companies. Uh, for the Russell 2000, these are companies that have a market cap between 150 million to 5 billion. And since last August, the Russell 2000 has been on a tear. It's rallied about 45% to new record levels. And this compares to the S&P 500 rallying about 14%. So this is really a, a, a moment where the small caps have significantly outperformed their large cap counterparts. If you look at what happened in uh, 2020, the storyline was, besides volatility, most of the performance has been narrowly focused and led by a handful of tech companies like Apple, Amazon, Tesla, and Google. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a rotation out of the tech stocks into the small caps. And as Joe pointed out, a lot of that is driven by value opportunities. Market participants are recognizing that there are value opportunities within the small cap segment, particularly when we're looking at an early stage of an economic recovery. And on that note, is that typical behavior for small caps to, tech, to tech, tend to outperform during economic downturns and then almost act as an early or as a leading indicator during like the early stage of an economic expansion? Joe, uh, you can take that one. Yeah, I just went back over kind of like the last five NBER recessions. That was like in the early 80s, the early 90s, the early aughts, the 2000, uh, the mid 2000s with the credit crisis, and then the most recent uh, pandemic crisis where we've gotten into this re uh, recession category. In each of those markets, as we've come out of that, small caps have significantly outperformed large caps. And just by the kind of the back of the envelope numbers I came up with, it's somewhere around 20%. So that's a huge differential as you're coming, as the economy is getting itself out of a recession. So there seems to be you know, a very high beta, if you will, to economic rebound uh, for small cap names versus large cap names. And this last go around has not been, you know, disappointing. We're still, you know, I think the performance differential is roughly, you know, 25% if we start from like October 31st out to March uh, 4th or so. So you mentioned this time around. Is there any context that a retail trader can look at this current rally and say like, okay, this has happened at other points in history where small caps have outperformed? Uh, Rick, you can take that and then Joe can follow up. So I want to point out that when we're looking at the Russell 2000, this is an index that measures the performance of small cap companies that are domiciled in the U.S. And, and these companies generate the majority of their income domestically. Typically, these, these small cap companies are leveraged, they're nimble, and they tend to outperform larger companies 
during periods of economic expansion. And so um, what we've seen in the past, uh, you know, over the past four decades, uh, the large cap stocks have typically outperformed small caps in large measure due to the sector weightings in the indexes. Uh, the tech sector has been the main driver of economic expansion. And if you look at the uh, sector weighting for information technology in the S&P 500, it's over 27% versus 14% in the Russell 2000. So what makes this particular um, cycle different, I believe, it's the combination of the low interest rates, um, Fed's intention to maintain a low interest rate posture, um, the stimulation package that's being proposed by the U.S. government, $1.9 trillion, mm-hmm. and the impact that's, that these combined uh, stimulus and, and the vaccine rollout is, is creating an expectation that there's going to be a, a significant impact on the smaller companies and we can see that from the current rally. Yeah. And just to chime in for a second, we also see that in analyst expectations of the small cap space too. So analysts are getting on board with the fact that, uh, as Rick pointed out, these small cap companies have a have a pretty good shot of growing their earnings as the economy rebounds. Okay, so when you said analyst expectations, does this mean they were perhaps on the sidelines in earlier months and they're just now coming around? Maybe a little bit. I wouldn't say on the sidelines. I would say let's let's use the word less gleeful, less certain, mm-hmm. less positive. Uh, but you know, expectations are you know coming in pretty strong for the small cap space. Interesting. We we started to kind of dance around that, but I want to jump into the inflation expectations since that's pretty pertinent right now, it's not a new phenomenon that the performance of small cap versus large cap uh, tracks inflation expectations. Uh, 2020 is a perfect example of that. Uh, Joe, do you want to unpack that a little bit and then Rick can go? Yeah, I just think for some of these smaller cap names, they, you know, as Rick pointed out, they tend to be highly leveraged. And if you're going to be highly leveraged in inflation, uh, you know, potentially could be a benefit to you if you're a, if you're a borrower, right? Because I still have to pay back 100 cents on a dollar. Mm-hmm. I just get to pay back with cheaper and cheaper money. So that may be one reason why the small cap small small cap space has benefited a bit from this uh, this uh, presumption that inflation is going to pick up. Now, of course, uh, Chairman Jerome Powell of the Federal Reserve would argue that any type of inflationary expectation that people have is going to be short-lived mm-hmm. and don't get too excited about it as the Fed is not. Uh, so I would just be a little bit cautious in that regard. Okay. Uh, so to jump in, you know, today non-farm payroll came out. It rose by 379000 Most of that were jobs created by smaller companies. If you look at what's happened to the 10-year Treasury, it's up by almost a half a percent year-to-date. And that's despite the fact that the Fed has announced their plans to keep rates low. Mm-hmm. So combination of, you know, rates going higher, jobless, uh, non-farm payroll going up, uh, there's a lot of anticipation that we're going to see a rapid economic recovery. And during that, during an active and a rapid economic recovery, small caps tend to outperform. And, uh, we're, we're expecting to see that, uh, and we're seeing that. 
with the outperformance of the Russell 2000 year to date. Um, inflationary uh, pressures will, will impact sectors differently. And the large weightings uh, for the Russell 2000 happen to be in healthcare, uh, consumer discretionary, industrials, and financials. And these four sectors are, are sensitive to uh, interest rates. Um, so the low rate environment has been helpful for healthcare um, and, dis- and consumer discretionary. Ironically, when you have a rising interest rate, that, that's very beneficial to the financial sector. So it's almost like the perfect storm for the Russell 2000 right now. And I'm, I'm going to tell on myself here and say in our dry run, I think Rick mentioned intentional inflation, how it's very important that that's when there's intentional inflation, that almost sets up the perfect storm instead of being a random event. Is that correct? We had a manufactured recession. Um and, and we're, we're also experiencing a manufactured recovery. Uh, so when you've got the, the Fed Reserve maintaining low interest rates and uh, pumping money into the system, you have the U.S. federal government creating a $1.9 trillion stimulus package. The intention is to revitalize the U.S. Uh, economy. And small caps are on the front line. They were the first to experience the downturn, and they're going to be the first to benefit from this recovery. Okay, well said. Very well said. Rick, uh, talk to us about the dramatic volume going way up we've seen lately with the Russell 2000 listed derivative ecosystem. And how is this translated into SIBO's launch of mini Russell 2000 index options amidst this rally? Uh, because I know you guys got a, you know, a big thing that just popped up, popped up for you. Well, thanks. Um, I'm going to potentially embarrass myself by pointing out that I've, I've been in this industry for 40 years and was on the floor of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange when the Russell 2000 index futures were launched in 1993. Um, a lot has changed since then. And the ecosystem for the listed derivatives on the Russell 2000 complex has grown. And I'm happy to say uh, the E-mini Russell 2000 futures moved back to the original home of the CME on July 10th, 2017. And since then, the the volume in in, uh, the futures has grown significantly. A year ago, CME launched a micro-mini Russell 2000 futures contract in response to a growing demand from retail participants. And I'm happy to report this past Monday, SIBO listed a mini version of its Russell 2000 index cash settled index option. And this mini index, uh, ticker is MRUT, is very similar to the standard contract, but it's one-tenth the notional value. So instead of trading a contract that's got a notional value of 220000 This mini product has a notional value of 22000 And uh, some of the features that it offers are significant benefit or advantage over the option on the ETF. It's cash settled. It's European style, no early assignment. Uh, it's got the 1256 tax benefit, meaning it's a 60-40 blended rate, long-term, short-term. So we've got a lot of interesting products to express a view on the Russell 2000. 
And if you were to combine the average daily volume on all the listed derivatives based on the Russell 2000, including futures and options, the notional value of this daily volume is $47 billion. And we're, we've seen a significant growth year over year. It's, it's grown by over 66% in terms of average daily volume year over year. Whew. So this is, this is a great time for market participants interested in the small cap segment to use listed derivatives like Russell 2000 futures, mini futures, Russell 2000 options, mini, mini index options for managing risk, expressing a market view, you know, trading volatility. Um, you have deep liquidity and, and price transparency that's offered by these exchange listed derivatives. You know, that's, I mean, how is that for timing? March 1st, you guys roll this out when all eyes are on the rut right now. I think that's, <laughs> that's perfect for you, for you guys. C- congratulations. And then you mentioned trading volatility. So that means that market participants, they don't have to choose between being bullish or bearish, correct? That's right. Yeah, and volatility is an interesting uh, aspect of trading options. And it's, it's one of the uh, few tools that's available to investors for isolating volatility. So what goes into the pricing of, a, of an option includes, you know, the length of time till expiration, the intrinsic value, uh, supply-demand factors, um, and, and volatility. Uh, so... Russell 2000 volatility is an interesting component in and of itself because the underlying small caps are leveraged. They're smaller in terms of uh, market cap. There's more volatility associated with small caps. So SIBO calculates a volatility index. Most uh, people are familiar with VIX, which is the volatility on the S&P 500 expressing a 30-day view of future uh, uh, market expectation of volatility. We have the Russell 2000 Volatility Index, RVX is the ticker. And right now that is 36 compared to VIX at 27. Mm -hmm. It's got a 10-point premium over uh, VIX. And typically it's about 4, now it's 10, which tells you that there is an anticipation of continued volatility in the market. Even though the Russell was reaching record levels, it maintained a high level of volatility. And so this is a great opportunity for those uh, participants that want to look at the opportunity to harvest income, harvest premium, kind of like an insurance policy where Mm -hmm. the insurer is uh, selling its insurance to the buyer and the buyer is paying a premium to an insurance company. Well, you can think of options along those lines. An option seller is going to collect that premium. And you can see by the volatility on the Russell 2000, there's more premium, more volatility embedded in that product. Yeah, that's fascinating that you said that there still could be more to come. You know, Even amidst all of this volatility that we've seen in the past three months, uh, it's, there's, still pl- there's plenty of runway left. And as you, as I noted, there's tons of eyeballs on this. So very exciting stuff that you guys have going on. Um, Joe, uh, and this will be to wrap up here. Rick talked about it a little, a little, but for market participants, are there examples of specific option strategies that someone can keep in mind with a specific view towards the small cap market? Sure. I think with the 
introduction of MRUD and the options on MRUD, investors can you know test these trades out just to make sure they are appropriate and suitable for them. But some of the trades that people may be interested in would be uh, you know selling puts, and uh, that takes on Rick's uh, insurance company uh, example where you receive an upfront premium, mm-hmm. and that's going to be your maximum gain. So if the Russell continues with its move or, or surge higher, you're only going to participate to that limited amount of premium you collected, mm-hmm. and you are going to be facing the downside risk of being uh, short that foot. So I just want to be sure that any of these option strategies are mapped out in advance, so your expectations for return are going to match what your realization is of return over time. Other things that people have looked at um, in terms of just trying to create some additional or differentiated cash flow uh, for investors has been even covered calls. And a covered call strategy is your you, know, you take your small cap exposure and then you sell a call option uh, against those holdings. And you can use MRUT or run for that purpose and that's another way to generate incremental income again when you're selling those options selling those call options you may be faced with capping your upside so just again it's a matter of expectation relative to uh which strategy you employ yeah well said well said rick you got anything to wrap up with well, I have to say what Joe said is absolutely music to my ears. <laughs> He's an industry practitioner and an expert and has been doing this for many years. And the reality is you buy a stock, it can go up or down or stay the same. Same thing with futures. What makes options different is that you can design a strategy and shape an outcome that you're looking for. So uh, as Joe pointed out, if you own the underlying, the Russell 2000, and you want to sell a call, essentially you're you're interested in maintaining a long position, but you're collecting income. It's an alternative way to generate income. SIBO's created a number of these strategy benchmark indexes on the buy right, cash secured put right, zero cost, put collar. Um, they, they, they have one that's gaining a lot of interest, and that's the Russell 2000 Buffer Protect Index. And this is based on a, an options position that's constructed for a particular outcome. And that's for investors who want to maintain a long position in the Russell 2000, have downside protection, in this case, 9% downside buffer protection, and upside participation. The upside participation is going to be capped because you're selling a call to finance the cost of the put. So depending on how much premium is collected on the sale of the call determines what the upside participation is. But it has the very similar um, uh, outcome as a structured product, which is used by many advisors today. And this is a a great alternative uh, to a structured product um, because you can have price transparency, it may be less expensive, and you've got the options clearing corp as the counterparty, and uh, it's 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 a you know very stable financial counterparty. So um, options are a great tool uh, for for market participants that want to express the market view, they want to uh, shape the outcome, or they want to trade volatility. 
very, very well said and uh, music to my ears. Everybody, I promise I didn't make them say those things because that's basically a audio version of the education articles that we put out two or three times a week. Uh, so there you go. If, if you want an audio book, just listen to our podcast. So I couldn't thank you enough for, for that endorsement of options at the end. Rick, Joe, do you guys have any? I, I know um, Rick talked about his, you know the big announcement. Joe, do you have anything you guys want to close with? No, I just make one final point that Rick kind of touched upon is when you're using listed options as opposed to a structured product, you get to change your mind. And I think that's a very important thing in today's day and age when you, when news is changing and you want to be able to change your view, listed options allow you to do that. One thing I'd like to add to that is education is key. And uh, I, I assume that you're, Listeners are very interested in options and learning more. Uh, SIBO is also a great resource for you. I would suggest you go to SIBO.com uh, forward slash RUT for information on the Russell 2000. SIBO.com uh, forward slash MRUT for the Russell Mini product. And then uh, check out our Options Institute. Uh, they've got all sorts of uh, webinars and uh, uh, some research available for for those interested. Outstanding. I love I love ending with plugs. You always know, always gotta plug your stuff. We've got Aaron Risk Advisors, investment strategist Joe DeCipio, and SIBO Global Markets derivative sales Rick Rosenthal. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on. You know, it's it'll be exciting to watch. You know what the rut does in the next six months to a year. And you know, thanks for educating me as well. Thanks for having us, Patrick. Cheers, guys.